new graduates, no matter what field they start in, are going to struggle and have questions and their spiel about diabetes to a client is not going to be nearly as thorough as it will be four months after they graduate. Welcome back to Vet Vet Life, a podcast for veterinary mentors and mentees. My name is Dr. Mariah McCauley, and this week I am joined again by the friendly vet himself, Dr. Marcus De La Cruz. At the time that we recorded this episode, a rather controversial article has been circulating about why new grads shouldn't go into ER. Is there truth in the article, or is it all clickbait? Marcus and I break it down from the perspectives and experience we have as ER and GP veterinarians. So if you are a new grad or a soon-to-be new grad, do not, I repeat, do not skip over this episode. It may just influence your career choice. All right, with all of that, let's jump into this week's episode. So Marcus, welcome back to the show. It has been a hot minute here, but we have a hot take episode, I feel like, with this uh, article that was put out, granted, at the time that we're recording pretty recently. It was, we're talking about the vet girl, why you shouldn't go into ER after you graduate vet school article. Yeah, so I'll put that out there. But first off, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. It's going to be a pretty interesting episode just from the preamble that we had before recording. But I guess, uh, I don't know where to start exactly, but why don't you or me, either either one of us, <laughs> we can go ahead and just give an overview of what was this article? Like, what is the overarching idea behind this article? So the overarching idea of the article is that as a new graduate, you are not prepared to be an ER veterinarian, that there is a lot to learn and a lot of time that you have to put in to medicine and just seeing cases before you will be ready to be an ER veterinarian. I think that's the overarching theme. I think that's a pretty succinct way to put it. And even as you said it, I, I like I felt slightly triggered <laughs> as you were mentioning it because I'm like, oh, I mean, I'm not a new grad anymore. I'm technically one of that awkward in between recent grad early career. I don't know what you call me anymore, but that's where I am. But I can still see how if you are a new graduate or about to be or you're in your last second to last year of vet school, that an article like this would be extremely discouraging just because like you you're about to hit this hit the profession to be a doctor and someone is literally telling you don't do it you're not good enough like talk about deflating just hearing that yeah as we talked about before recording the episode there's a lot of different ways that you can look at this article and looking on the wave that happened on social media recently it was very negative, the kind of feedback that I was getting about this article. Like, I didn't read it before I'd seen all of the feedback that everyone else was posting. So, as I was reading it, I was like, oh man, they must, like, author of this article must have really gotten things really bad for so many people that I look up to to be saying such disparaging things, quite honestly, about it. So, when I actually got to read it myself, 
and really sit with it for a little while, I honestly took a step back and was like, I don't think I see it exactly the same way. And like I said, there's so many different ways that you can look at this article. And so I'm not necessarily trying to put blinders on and like say, I'm choosing to look at it this way, but I'm going to put myself out there and say that there are a lot of things in this article that I both agree with. And there are also a number of things in this article that I feel were worded very poorly. And so the outcome of that, unfortunately, is that this article is not what we want to be projecting to our potential new graduates. Where are you at with that? I agree with what you're saying. I think that there's a balance that we have to try and find between taking new graduates and giving them the courage to step into a role that is going to be new for them regardless. I mean, they're graduating and going from running cases by the veterinarian that's actually in charge of a case versus I am handling this on my own. I am making all the decisions and my say is final and the outcome is final. So we want to give them the courage to become doctors, but we also have to give them a realistic goal and mindset and paint a realistic picture for them. And this, I think, falls a little bit more on the harsh side of that spectrum of saying, these are all the things that you cannot do as a new graduate and you're not ready for. And this is why you shouldn't go into ER medicine straight out of school. Yeah. As I'm scrolling through it here in front of me, just to make sure I'm quoting it correctly. Yeah. There's a number of things like I get like exactly just as both of us have said, but in light of all of that, I can see where the positive intent was for this article. And that basically, it's not until you get towards the bottom of the article when you're already triggered and emotional about it, that um, the author talks about essentially, like, why is she saying this? Basically, here it says, it says, don't get me wrong, I want more veterinarians in the ER field. It's my passion, it's my mojo, it's an amazing, fulfilling, challenging, but rewarding job. And for this individual, and personally, GP isn't for me, so much long-term follow-up, um, but more gifts and cards and love and re- in return. So we can dive into that if we need to. But I've also <laughs> done it and felt comfortable with it and learned how to. Like, I truly want you to love ER medicine, but what I don't want, and this is the part that kind of gives me hope for the article, so I don't want to see ER medicine chew you up and burn you out. I don't want to see you make basically errors in medicine that cost a patient their life and you your confidence and reputation. Like that is the reason that the author is writing this article. That's the positive. That's the intent behind it all. However, the entire however many paragraphs leading up to that don't give off that vibe. And again, this is written by a criticalist, if I'm quoting that correctly, You are in ER medicine. I am in GP. And I don't know, like if you were to take a new graduate and put it in front of us and kind of have them ask questions about, okay, should I go into ER medicine? I feel like you and I are going to ask important questions of them, but they're going to be coming from different backgrounds. So like from my aspect, like I've been in GP three going on four-ish years now, if you were to pick me up and just drop me into a specialty ER clinic... I think I might just pass out from the amount of fear that I would have. 
not because I am, quote unquote, necessarily like can't do it. My skill set is different. Just as if you were to take a specialty ER doctor and plop them into a typical wellness appointment, quite honestly, of GP level, they have a very different skill set. And so they would still struggle. Now, would it be easier for me and after this many years to go into ER and kind of pick up the skills and everything? Yes, because I have the client communication skills. I have the record keeping skills, the basic medicine skills that would be easier to transfer. However, there is still a lot that I would need to learn as a result. So what I'm kind of getting at is that it's not it's not fair to say to these new grads, you don't know enough, so you shouldn't do it. Instead, just like you said earlier, I would love for the author to have said, you don't know enough yet because you've just graduated vet school. You know enough to survive, and it's everything that you do after that that will turn you into this butt-kicking veterinarian. So how do we set you up for success? And this was kind of my first irk, I guess, um, with the article, is that it? I felt like it was pulling on the whole old saying of, I struggled, so you have to as well. Oh, and the look on your face. <laughs> yeah. So to provide a little bit more background too, I graduated in 2018 and my first job was half ER and half GP. So it was two days in GP, two days in ER. And then I did GP for several years and now I'm doing ER. So I agree with you. I think new graduates, no matter what field they start in, are going to struggle and have questions and their spiel about diabetes to a client is not going to be nearly as succinct or efficient or thorough as it will be four months after they graduate and have that conversation. But that mentality, the last part you touched on where it's, I went through this, so you should have to go through this is not something that I agree with. And I think that, Nobody wants to be told that the way that they got to where they are was the wrong way. And so I think we talked about this before. If you do an internship and a residency and those things, you're going to feel like that is the best route to do it. And if you don't do those things, then you're probably going to be in disagreement. And I think that's where a lot of like the negative feelings come from with this article is that it was painted almost as if there's one way to do this and doesn't allow for some other things. Now I will say that Dr. Lee, the author does say that there are ER hospitals that are set up to do it and mentor and take on new grads, but it's definitely, it's kind of like a, it's like a sentence that's just kind of like shoved under the rug. Like it's not getting more shine and it, it, it gets swallowed up by the article as a whole. Now, before we get on with the episode, a quick word from today's show sponsor. Introducing the Vet Career Concierge Service. It's an easy way to find your dream job and it's a brilliantly simple concept. Instead of wasting time searching through thousands of practice jobs that might be a good fit but frequently aren't, let the Vet Career Concierge do the hard work. All you have to do is register, tell us all about your skills and what you're looking for from your next practice, then your Career Concierge goes to work filtering, matching and approaching only practices who are a good fit. 
If you like the sound of a practice and you want to meet, your concierge will coach you through the interview process, help with negotiations, and work to ensure you have a smooth transition into practice when you accept a role. They'll even stay in touch with scheduled career check-ins to make sure you're happy. The service is open to vets and vet nurses with at least one year in practice and legally able to work in the US, Canada, UK, EU, or Australia. To register, visit vetxinternational.com forward slash jobs, and all registrants will be entered into a prize draw where you could win an Apple Watch, Magnum of Champagne, or one of several Amazon gift cards. Registration and membership is free for vets and nurses, so head to vetxinternational.com forward slash jobs to sign up today now back to the show yeah and that's uh, that's the area where it's like we need to do better as a profession not just for er but veterinary medicine in general and that's why i'm such a big like powerhouse for mentorship is figuring out how do we make this happen so that a we can get a ton more er veterinarians into the field and up to speed quickly so that they have the skills and the confidence to then turn around and train the next generation. So I feel like there's this huge gap in a way because if you have just the intern trained veterinarians where a lot of them don't continue down that road, they get burned out, they go a different direction. So how do we then open up these avenues for someone like me who's been in GP for however many years and says, you know what? I'm ready for a change. I want to do ER so that I can get up to speed and get into that side of medicine as well. But again, like focusing on our new graduates, like what do we need to do to make more hospitals prepared to take on new graduates so that we can make them excited and confident um, in their skills and in their knowledge in veterinary in ER veterinary medicine? Yeah. So near the end of my general practice days. And I, we still take on emergency cases at that hospital. We had a new graduate and I think my style of mentorship is highly dependent on the fact that you don't know how, when this dog or this cat comes into you, you don't need to know how it's going to end. I think that's something that happens in veterinary school. If I remember from all those years ago, that you know, the clinicians expect you to kind of have an idea of where it's going and then you're going to be contributing to the discharge summary by the end of the appointment, right? But in post-graduation life, a dog comes in for XYZ problem. You don't have to know what medication you're going to send home right at that moment. You just have to know the next step, right? So if it's vomiting, you don't have to know that you're going to do sub fluids and serenia and change diet and all those things. You just have to know, like, my recommendations are going to be a minimum database and imaging. And then based on those results, I can make my next step. And I think Dr. Lee in her article talks a lot about long-term management and seeing cases and like quickly and efficiently getting them out of the hospital. And that all comes with time. If you see enough of those cases, eventually you're going to get those things whether you do it straight out of school or not is completely up to you. And I think there's also kind of a new wave of graduates going into ER medicine simply because of veterinary emergency group. And I think it would be great for you to have an episode on with one of their doctors to talk about their nerd program or the 
the program for new graduates because that's what they're doing. They're taking them as new graduates and then facilitating a, a quicker drop into emergency medicine than probably internships and uh, non-traditional routes, I guess I would call it. Yeah. So basically without having to do the whole internship that burns you out and pays you pennies. So <laughs> they're definitely doing something right there with a number of people that A, want to go in with it, go into it and are sticking with it and still having a lot of enjoyment. So I agree. There's some good things happening there that need to be shared with the other ER practices in the US. I think it's interesting too, because in her article, she talks about probably doing internship is what I think she's alluding to. She doesn't really give a great call to action at the end. It's just don't do this. So she talks about internship, but she also talks about how her internship almost burnt her out. Yes, this is a big point as well. And we know that there was a survey done in 2020 that showed that burnout is the highest amongst young veterinarians or veterinarians under the age of 30. And I think Dr. Reinhardt or mm-hmm. Addie, yeah, Addie yeah. <laughs> yeah, also has statistics on new graduates specifically being more likely to be burnt out. And so I think internship we have to consider that as part of that trend right now. And it's something that no one wants to see. Like that is one of my main points of agreement with Dr. Lee is I don't want to see ER medicine burn you out. And then now we're less, we have less veterinarians and that's ultimately not the goal. No, I agree. It's yeah. That's the big thing is like in the article, like you said, there's no good call to action other than like, let's do an internship. And of course, I kind of didn't really like the showboating that went on in there of being like, I was able to do a 16 minute spay and I was able to do this and I was able to do that. You could have 30 people go through the same program and not every single person's going to be able to do every single skill the exact same way. So to put that in there, I felt was highly unnecessary. And then also there's like a whole list that she puts in of things that you should be able to do, but you obviously can't do because you're a new grad um, type of thing. And what I would have loved to see is a list of areas where she commonly sees new grads struggle and how we can turn that list into basically a list to use to say, all right, how do we develop a program that targets these areas? Because honestly, reading through this list there are a lot of things that I have to do as a GP vet. This is not just an, an ER problem. This is a veterinary medicine problem. So that's another little thing that I have, little irk that I have with it. Yeah, I think there's a lot of, I would call them GP skills and things that you see commonly both in a GP setting and in an ER setting. And that's like a whole nother topic about how people or pet parents are taking their pets to ERs for non-emergent things because they're unable to see their general practitioner in what they feel is a timely manner. And I mean, part of it is right. We have to meet them at their level of concern. So ear infections, although they are not going to die from them, can be very painful and they can change their pet's behavior. And so it's unacceptable to the pet parent to be waiting to see a veterinarian for however many days, weeks, or sometimes months for that. And so we end up seeing them in the ER. And so that's like one example of something that a general practitioner could knock out 
super easy, something we're very familiar with that is seen in ER that they don't necessarily teach in veterinary school. Like the prime example that comes to my mind of I just graduated, I know all the things I need to know, except for what do I do with this torn nail? Oh my gosh, yes. Right? <laughs> no is it one's... antibiotics? Is it pain meds? It, yeah. Does it need a bandage? Like all these small decisions you're making. Ruptured anal glands? Right. Right. No one taught me that in vet school. I learned that on the fly. <laughs> we didn't cover that. It's in a book somewhere. Somewhere. <laughs> but we wanted to talk about aortic stenosis and like all these things that you, <laughs> you're not going to see nearly as commonly. <laughs> right? Oh, so, dear. She talks about like doing cystocentesis and stuff like that. I think a lot of the skills she names are not necessarily, or the things that she says you're not ready for are not necessarily things that you need someone to walk you through, see what you want to teach one. A lot of the things are just thing like skills that take time, like communication, efficiency, and multitasking. Those aren't necessarily things that you go to veterinary school for, but they're things that you pick up along the way. So any new graduate is going to struggle with those things. And in time, it seems like such a natural skill or ability that they develop that we don't even think about it anymore. It's like breathing. Yeah, exactly. Or riding by kind of those things. So I feel that like, of course, I have the conversation that we've had, like the overarching theme that we have is, uh, goodness, <laughs> to say that as a new graduate, you are not ready for ER is horribly unfair and incorrect. And you can be set up for success and your practice can be set up for success to take on a new grad and train you into an absolutely fantastic ER veterinarian or absolutely fantastic GP veterinarian. And so while we have this lovely article that does have positive intent, there's too much underrunning negativity to really see that positive intent. And so I don't know, like at least from my perspective, if I had a new grad in front of me who was showing me this article and was like, okay, what do I do with this? What does this mean? Should I even go into vet into ER? I would say, all right, let's sit down. Let's actually look through what this article is saying. Let's pull out what we can learn from it. And some of the things that I would pull out would be that list of things that apparently a new grad can't do or can't do on their first day. And I would say, all right, what are the areas of that list that you feel really strongly like that you are good at? And let's evaluate them together. And then let's set up a list of things that you're eh, kind of okay with. And then have a third list of things that you're like, I can't do that at all. And let's then set up a plan, a three-week, three-month, six-month plan to target these specific areas so that you do not feel like you're left out in the wind to fend for yourself because that will only set you up for burnout. It'll only set me as your mentor up for burnout because it is very frustrating as a mentor to have someone who, quote unquote, should be able to do something and they're not. Part of that is failure on the mentee to not communicate that, but then also for the mentor to not be asking appropriate questions, but topic for another day. So at least that would be like, that would be my outcome of this article is, okay, I'm really not a big fan of it. However, 
there can be some really good structured mentorship that comes out of it so that if you're listening to this as a vet student or someone who is on the cusp of having to choose a job for veterinary medicine, which congrats on graduating soon, by the way, Woohoo! Uh, welcome to the profession. If you're one of those people who's listening to this, do not be discouraged by this article. If you have questions about ER medicine, if you have questions about GP, if you have questions about what questions you should ask in your interview, please reach out to us. We want you to be in this profession. We want you to pursue what you're excited about. I mean, Marcus over here with at the Friendly Vet, like that is the entirety of what he wants to do. He wants to communicate with you. He wants to share the excitement of this profession. And I don't want to put words in your mouth, so I'm going to shut up for a hot second and let you speak. Everything you say resonates with me. It's if you are a new graduate, right? We have to figure out how we can train you to do the type of medicine you're looking for. So when I graduated, I did half GP, half ER. I had a list of things that I needed to cover with my mentor at the two different locations. So two different mentors. It was like, for the ER side, it was like GDV, Pyometra, DKA. We need to talk about how you're going to communicate with clients about those topics. We're going to talk about how to do the surgeries if they're needed, how to medically manage those cases face-to-face. And then I'm going to show you how I do mine. And then you are going to take one on. So if I have a GDV, I'm going to call you and say, hey, if you're free, like, let's come in and let's do a surgery together. On the GP side, it was like, let's talk about things like diet, vaccines, parasite control, and then skin. Like, let's cover allergies because you need to be able to talk confidently about those things with me, your colleague, before you can talk to a client about them. And then let's look at your case management and see where things could have gone better or worse the same. And so like cover all those two lists before I was really stepping into the role on my own. And that's going to go at a different pace for different people. So I think if you, my takeaway from the article is not don't go into ER straight out of school. It's more find a place that's going to mentor you appropriately for your level of confidence and for the type of medicine you're wanting to practice. And there's definitely a ton of options for you. We just got to, we're probably going to have to like kiss a lot of frogs and do a lot of shopping and figure out which practice is going to be the best fit for you. I have never heard someone use that phrase for when looking at um, veterinary medicine. I love it. <laughs> Steal it. Use it all you want. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I feel like we, we've rounded this conversation out pretty well. And I really hope a number of vet students get to hear this because yeah, if I was a new grad, that would be a kick in the gut to read this article. However, there is some really good conversations that have, as just like this, have come out of it. And so I feel like our profession will be better off as a result. So again, if you guys have any questions about any of this, like, don't hesitate to reach out to us. We want to help you. We want to help you find the right job, the right mentor, set you up for success. <laughs> That's honestly what we want to do. So you can reach out to me on Instagram. You can reach out to Marcus on Instagram. Our information will be in the show notes. Also, you can join the Thrive Network. That will also set you up for success and just how it, providing mentorship on another level. So a ton of resources that are available to you guys. But with that, Marcus, I will say thank you so much for joining, sharing your insight and experience of being in GP and ER so that we can push on a different light on this article, quite honestly. It was much needed. 
Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm glad that these conversations are happening. Obviously, we shared what we agree with and, and some parts of what we disagree with. And social media does a pretty good job of offering different perspectives. So just don't be discouraged and send someone a message that, you know, isn't this author because you've already gotten her take. So if you don't tend to disagree, reach out and uh, let's have a conversation. Sounds like a plan. All right. Until next time, y'all. See ya. And that's a wrap on today's episode of That Vet Life Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Now, before you go, I have a quick request. Now, podcasts and communities, they grow the best and they grow the biggest when the members spread the word. So if you know someone who you think needs to hear this episode, or if you found value in this episode and want to share it, go ahead and share this with your friends. And also, don't forget to head over to vedexinternational.com and enroll in the VEDEX community for free to get some free swag and many, many other amazing benefits. Also, leaving a review of the show on iTunes, we greatly appreciate it because, again, it just helps get the word out. But until next time, y'all, I hope you enjoyed this episode of That Bet Life. <laughs>